Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Cañas. And today, we're recording episode, I don't know, 214, 215, something like that. Uh, and today, I have with me uh, Chris Lowell. And actually, I did not ask you if I should call you hey, Chris guys. or Christopher. I uh, don't care. You know, Pre-COVID days, firm handshake, full name. Nowadays, don't care at all. <laughs> those, are, those are bad habits he brings back from his pre-insurance <laughs> life. Uh, so anyway, I, I've got Christopher or, or Chris, Chris Lowell with me. And, and I always, almost always start the podcast saying that I'm very excited today. It, it, uh, for, for, and in this case, I really am. Because Chris, you have a really interesting background. And what you've done with insurance is very interesting. So I think there, there's, there's a lot to today, basically. And also, you are the first uh, podcast, podcast guest who I met uh, through my day job, uh, basically a, a client or a prospect, depending on how you write. We have a contract with a company you were with. We, we have not done any business with them yet. But basically, <laughs> I originally reached out to you as a prospect, and we had conversations on that side. And then now we've transitioned, and you're on the podcast. Uh, so it's kind of an, an interesting uh, move uh, in, in my world. So, 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 so Chris, uh, so today's podcast is, is, is really kind of a, a career chat because you've had a, a different career for most insurance professionals. Uh, so, so kind of g give me the, the, uh, the, the for, from my perspective, like if, if I'm introducing you to, to, to a friend or, or, or something, I generally say uh, Chris has degrees from Harvard, Northeastern, MIT, a CPCU, uh, uh, experience at Bain uh, in, in, you know, one of the big, uh, one of the big uh, consulting companies and then uh, experience both at Liberty uh, Strategy and at uh, Hartford uh, Innovation Lab. So that's how I introduce you. But, but I, I'd All love true. to kind of hear your version of, of how you ended up uh, in insurance. Yeah, sure. I'll see if I can do a better job. So thanks for inviting me, by the way, Tony. This is, this is fantastic. Thank you for coming. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I came late to the uh, insurance game. I grew up, um, you know, coming out of undergrad, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, and management consulting and strategy consulting is a great place to put someone, you know, smart enough but doesn't know what to do yet. Um, I went, I um, you know, sort of worked at Bain & Company after my, uh, after my MBA, uh, worked internationally uh, in both London and South Africa. Um, it's a great opportunity. I highly recommend it to everybody to, to work internationally at some point. Um, and got to see a, a host of the different uh, industries. Actually, never worked for an insurance company while I was there, but looking at sort of, you know, platinum mining, gold mining, uh, media and photography, sports, um, you know, just re commercial banking, sort of really understanding all the different ways that industries and companies are put together. Um, when it came back to the U.S., um, I had a small gig. The one thing that you didn't mention, just a year and a half or so at a company called Explorica, um, where I ran our China business, but I was the P&L owner for it. The business itself was um, sort of a package tour operator for, for high school kids to go on you know, two-week trips to France and you know, learn things and you need to buy hotels, buses, flights, and food, right? Um, the internet has hurt the market, we'll say. Um, the, uh, and I ran the, the, the China version of that, which was bringing Chinese students over to the US or the UK for sort of glorified sightseeing and language courses, right? And, um, but the, the most exciting thing for me was this was my first entree into a P&L or P&L ownership, right? Like I was making the trade-off between what product we wanted to sold and the pricing of it. We want sort of high volume, low margin or low volume, high margin. Right? Good, let let me question. pause you super quick there. Go for it. Uh, so for the younger listeners and especially the ones that don't have a business degree, and we have lots of those in insurance, 
uh, a PL ownership, a PL is a profit and loss. So basically, uh, at some point, if you want to get to an executive role, at some point, you have to own the PL. Uh, it's, it's a requirement to grow into the real management roles, especially executive management. So, so, so anyway, uh, go ahead. It's amazing. I, I try and be as jargon free as possible. And there are just some things that are just too embedded. So thanks, this guys. is insurance and you're a former consultant. Like there's no way to fix it. It's tough. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Um, That's why I'm absolutely here. Absolutely right. Um, absolutely right. Right. So responsible for actually driving profit rather than an external consultant. Uh, that was critical for me. And I love that. That was a, a, a great role. Um, and I wanted to do that on a slightly, slightly bigger stage, right? Um, and a friend of mine, uh, just a you know, friend, reached out and said, hey, if you're thinking about doing this and you want to really run a P&L, you should join uh, Liberty Mutual and join their corporate strategy group. You clearly got the background on corporate strategy and consulting, and you'll springboard into a P&L role into the company. So join it for about a year and a half, jump in. Uh, and I talked, you know, when I interviewed for that role, I was really clear, and they were very happy with the idea that I would join. And then a year and a half later, just leave that group and join the, uh, you know, sort of jump into one of the business units at Liberty. Seven years later, I was having a fantastic time and had never left corporate strategy, right? Um, so I got to do, uh, I got to learn the insurance business uh, across the entire world. So Liberty's got, you know, had operations in, in every different country. I uh, worked across India, Vietnam, Ireland, Turkey, Russia, China. Um, which is interesting from, and, and fun from an uh, international experience perspective, but more interesting for me, which is like, because those are smaller operations, I got to work with the CEOs of each of those operations to really understand sort of what it means to un own the ultimate P&L, the ultimate profit uh, statement. And also, uh, because they're lean and scrappy, you know, I had to do a tons of hands-on work, right? So... If my, if my, you know, strategy consulting hat, I said, you know, we need a new sales incentive plan. Well, that meant I was writing a new sales incentive plan, right? Like that's, I'd have to draft it. I'd have to put a stake in the ground and do something, um, which was great. Um, and I also, you know, came back to the U.S. and, and, and uh, you know, sort of saw the claims organization, legal, HR, IT, uh, commercial, um, small commercial, personal lines, auto, home, right? Sort of every part. Liberty's a pretty broad company, right? So I got to see every part. Um, at the last few years I was there, I had the, the, the luxury of sort of crafting a little bit of my own role, right? I still did some of the internal consulting work, um, but I started thinking about all things future of insurance. Um, you know, 2015, 16 was when it was really clear, lots of really interesting things were happening in the industry uh, and in the world, and they were going to affect the industry. Yeah, we, right? we didn't even have the word insure tech yet, right? Exactly. It, it was happening and, and right. we... All we, the, like, yeah, we, we, we didn't even have a word for it yet. And, and admittedly, like, there were two major things happening in technology that I think were uh, so hyped that the company needed someone to wrestle these issues to the ground. And those two, I would say, were sort of autonomous vehicles and blockchain technology, both of which, standing here in 2020, realizing that neither has hit even 10% of like it's expectation, right? Like I, so, so that's a whole separate conversation. We could, we could do a second episode just uh, with, with a couple of other, of other experts to, to discuss this particular topic. This is a good one. Uh, I think that they're both going to have big effects, I, I, I th especially autonomous vehicles. And I, I think that, that it's one of those like, like, I don't remember who said it, uh, but, but basically we always overestimate change in the next two years and underestimate it in the next 10. Uh, I think that's exactly the case, uh, especially Gates, for Bill autonomous Gates is a smart guy. 
<laughs> especially for autonomous vehicles. A blockchain, yeah. uh, we've had several episodes of blockchain. There's somebody out there that has a whole podcast series on blockchain and insurance. And it, he's on like episode like 60 or 70. I've never, never listened to a single one. I'm amazed that he still has stuff to, stuff to talk about. Right. I, I do think that eventually a, a blockchain that is the ultimate, ultimate arbiter of truth within insurance could be really, really valuable. Uh, it, it's just we're not anywhere near there yet. Uh, Admittedly, that, that's what we were trying to help create. Um, so actually, you know, I think you've actually had uh, uh, Pat Schmid on your uh, mm -hmm. podcast in the yep, past. Yep, Nick had him. Um, and he and I got connected to actually, like Liberty had created a blockchain. Uh, let me know if you've got noise in the background. Liberty no, had, a little uh, bit, we're good. Uh, created a, a blockchain solution to subrogation, which is you know a very insurance focused thing. We don't have to talk about it right now, um, but it imagined you know like getting multiple uh, competitors, but multiple players in the industry together and sharing information non competitively, but sharing information to save large amounts of money, both in both banking fees um, and just sort of not shipping money to and from each other. Uh, and it would also probably save a bunch of money on. LexisNexis and, and you know, other kinds of data aggregation, right? Like blockchain helps create that. Um, and we helped build the Risk Block Alliance. So the actual industry consortium, uh, I think there are now about 40 members. And that was, a, that was really helpful. Like that was, that was valuable. Um, I still think it's not you know, ahead of its time, but in, insurance carriers aren't ready to share as much. Uh, certainly not enough for my own taste, but we're getting there. You you come from a, from a, from a different world, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I've seen that over and over with with insurance. I've heard stories of that over and over with insurance. Why don't we have a fully digital accord form right? When I was a middle market underwriter at Liberty, I don't I don't know if we were there at the same time. Actually, we we I think we were. Uh, so you you were at home office uh, doing like serious strategy. I was a middle market underwriter in the Duluth, Georgia office and wondering why my fantastic UA, uh, who had been there for 30 years and is still there and she's amazing. Uh, Becky, if you happen to listen to, to, to my podcast, uh, you, uh, you really should be an underwriter by now. Uh, I, I don't think you listen to this, but, but uh, any, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time wondering, like, why the heck are we wasting Becky's time entering hundreds of vehicles and all sorts of crap, right? The agent already put it in their agency management yep. system right? Uh, and then exported it to an Accord PDF form, which then Becky and the processing people put into our system. How on earth, uh, so why on earth are, are, we, are we not doing this electronically? But the carriers I, I are very reticent to. I haven't seen the full industry-wide number on this, but rekeying as a as as a loss of time, energy, and cost, which eventually goes back to the consumer, mm -hmm. is huge, and it's it is it is the most um, you know uh, frustrating part, right? Like we have modern technology, and I could have said this. We, we could have had this conversation 15 years ago. <laughs> it would have still said that modern technology <laughs> oh, yeah. will eliminate this, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, no. It's 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 a cultural thing. It's it's yeah. the carriers are, uh, the the carriers especially on the commercial line side, which is, you know, the Accord side, uh, have this perspective that if we make it too easy for, for you as the broker to get quotes, you'll quote everybody. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's not good for my business, right? So, 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 it, 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 so, 
So anyway, I, I think that, that we're, we're going way off the tangent here. And, and for, for, we'll, get, for we'll get back to it eventually. For, 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 for the listeners, uh, uh, I will link uh, a couple of excellent articles that Insurance Nurse has had on, uh, on uh, driverless vehicles and a couple of, of great articles we've had on blockchain. If you want to dig deeper into either of those topics, and I'm going to make a note to myself uh, to, to find a, uh, a or, or maybe the people that wrote the articles for us and, and see if we, if we can do an episode that with the four of us uh, discussing those topics. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, great. So, so uh, another, another question on, on, uh, on strategy. Uh, so I went through Nationwide's financial leadership rotation program. Uh, and one of the rotations that, that, that was most sought after was the strategy rotation. I, I didn't get to do the strategy rotation, uh, but right, I'm, I'm friends with the guys that did it during my, during my time. Uh, and I, I, not coming from a consulting background, I was very surprised at how intense that area was, how competitive it was to get in. Everybody, everybody wanted to mm -hmm. go into strategy. And uh, also how analytical it was. I always imagined strategy as, as, as a very marketing. So I always imagined strategy as mm -hmm. like, Sitting around smoking or pipe, I'm exaggerating on that, but, but, but discussing hypothetical ideas on the things that we can do and trying to figure out which one to follow. Uh, but actually, it's basically like come up with the idea and then find an, a ton of numbers to, <laughs> to figure out whether it would work. Or not. So, so how would you describe strategy to somebody who, who's never worked in the strategy department? Oh, sure. Um, a couple of responses. That's, that's great. One, I think... Um, strategy can range from the most analytical data-driven exercise to things that are a little bit more ivory tower where you're sitting around with a pipe, right? No smoking indoors anymore, but I get your point and it's, it's spot on. Um, so I would say uh, strategy is the art and science of allocating scarce resources. Like okay, you, mm -hmm. you that's, simply, that, that's the MBA answer. Well, but, but I think it's the, it's the you know, it's the, it's the quotable MBA well, answer. Hold on. Is, is, isn't that also the definition for what economics is? <laughs> Something like that. Don't catch me. Um, so the, um, you, know, you can't do everything as a company. You, you simply can't. And mm -hmm. there are some things that you are better at doing than others, right? Like, um, you know, Bill Gates, he came up earlier, right? Like, he has enough money, he can do anything. He could create a burger company, right? Flip burgers. But that's not the best use of his time and or money, right? Um, nor does it actually match the other things that he does. So if you're an insurance company, um, the, core, the core of most insurance companies today, I would say, is underwriting. There are a few that are aggressively service and claims focused, and that's great. Right? You might imagine like a, an Amica or something like that, and USAA, right? They're, they're constantly winning awards for their service. But in general, underwriting is probably the, um, the, uh, the focus of what makes an insurance company who they are. So they're great at gathering data, analyzing that data for understanding the risk of someone out there in the real world, whether that be a small business and what they're doing or an individual person, right? Um, and strategy needs to say, your core business, what you do the best then is underwriting and data management. And if that's true, insurance is probably what you're in the business of doing. But there are other things you could do, right? So risk engineering and loss prevention and using internet of things and sensors to actually grab more data and, and massage it in different ways to help customers, that would be a great path to go forward on, right? Versus some companies, uh, some insurance companies have, um, are really good you know, in, in workers' comp 
and therefore, you know, they could move into disability and then maybe even health, right? So it's not about data to them. It's about employees' lives and well-being, right? It's a little bit of a mission, you know, mission definition. Um, but for strategy, you got to figure out, you don't have, you only have a pot of money so big, right? You need to figure out what countries to work in, what lines, what products, what distribution channels. And, you know, if, if your strategy is, uh, we want to be all things to all people, you will fail, right? Like that, is, that, is, is, that there, is unacceptable. In your experience, and I know that you only worked at one carrier, but you might have met other uh, people who worked at strategy in other carriers. Is there a path from, say, underwriting or from claims uh, into strategy, or is the strategy department really uh, former former McKinsey, Bain, and Boston Consulting Group uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. graduates? And, and, you know, the unfortunate answer is it depends. Um, so I think the the best strategy houses I think bring in people from the business, but you it is um, coming in as an underwriter. The programs that happen within large carriers, like I think you are an anomaly, Tony. You're amazing. Like the, the coming in <laughs> as an underwriter, um, they purposely, because it's the most profitable thing, sort of try and breed the, the uh, I don't know, the, the, the cynicism of how do we say, how do we understand risk? Right? Like, <laughs> like they, that's, you, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I have had serious discussions about this. The reason, I, I, I fully believe that the reason I was successful as an underwriter is because I, I, I was at one job for, for one year and at the other one for two years. I moved on too quickly, basically, because I, yeah, the best underwriters long term are the ones who are really good about expecting the worst and preventing it. Yeah. And I'm the exact opposite, right? I, I, I'm a, a, a blue ocean, uh, new ideas type exactly. of guy. I get excited about things easily. Uh, you, know, um, you, you asked, you know, what is uh, strategy? If I were describing underwriting, um, I would say in the insurance realm, it's the art and science of saying no, right? It's, it's, it basically says- the Sales prevention I mean, department, yeah. Yeah, it is, I mean, it is, but for a very pro, you know, profitable, meaningful reasons, right? Like mm -hmm. 400 years ago when insurance was coming about, you needed to pick which ships were most seaworthy that you could underwrite as they were crossing over the ocean. And understanding the seaworthiness of a ship and be, being able to say, I've seen the wood they use on that hull. There's no way I'm underwriting that crap. Right, like that's that was a real skill. And I think so I, I I I've got to ask. Okay, so you came into insurance without an insurance background, and at some point during six years at Liberty and two years at, at Hartford, uh, you're now quoting insurance history. I know <laughs> you have your CPCU, but I don't think CPCU digs more than a couple of words into the history of Lloyd's. So either you've got your AMIM. Uh, or you, somebody recommended that, that or, or you happen to, to find it on Amazon, somebody recommended that you read Against the Gods. So, so which, one, so which yeah. one was it? A uh, little bit of A, a little bit of B. Okay. Um, but also I would say one of the, th and, it get, and amazingly, somehow you asked a question that gets us right back to it, the strategy team or strategy operations, which is um, many, many carriers also use their strategy organization or department to bring in talent from the outside that is not homegrown in insurance. And that's how I ended in there, right? And, it, and, and in most carriers, it seems to be kind of the only area, <laughs> like all the other areas are, are very incestuous. Yeah, <laughs> right? you're totally right. Uh, or at the very least, all they do is steal, right? Nobody wants to train. Everybody's stealing from the other carriers. <laughs> you, uh, either you, it's almost like we take this. Um, the, 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 um, the training is actually how I learned the history of insurance because I was trying to teach directly out of MBA and undergrad folks who were joining my team and strategy 
and saying, let me give you a background. I may have not, you know, sort of, I may not have been taught the, you know, the, the ships and the Lloyds and the underwriters uh, story, but when I saw it somewhere on probably YouTube, I grabbed it because I thought it actually was helpful for, for, to train people. And training and development, um, some carriers are better than others. Most strategy departments in carriers are pretty darn, they're, they're, they, they, they work on it, right? Like they try and bring people in and they really work on it because they want they wanna people to stay in the industry. Because, um, you know, the industry, we talked earlier about, um, uh, at some point during this conversation, I was thinking, we talked about insurance, uh, the insurance agents, oh, and, and underwriting and how things are, have a slow cycle, right? Like things haven't changed in a while. Um, part of the reason, I realize this is a tangent, sorry about that. Part oh, of no, the no, no, problem for that. It's my is, brain works in tangents. <laughs> That's the only part, way of the reason, part of the reason for that is, you know, the average age and tenure of the insurance agency plant over the last 10 years has essentially gone up by one year every year because it's not getting a ton of new blood. And like it, so it's people are beginning to age out, but they've been in this industry for now 30 years or so. Um, and there's just a ton of opportunity in so, the industry. So, so and for the people in is critical, which for, is why you the, rock, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. So for, for the listeners, uh, if, uh, if you haven't read it yet, uh, Insuring Tomorrow, How to Engage Millennials Within the Insurance Industry was, was written for carriers, but apparently it's very popular in the, in the broker space. Uh, I hear that the author's a little out there, but, but uh, the ideas are really good. It's w very well reviewed on Amazon. Uh, so, so uh, l l like, uh, how, oh, uh, Ma Matthew Struck would say the checks in the mail. Thank you for, for, uh, for, for, for the advertising there. Uh, okay, so, 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 so uh, six years of liberty, all of them in strategy. Uh, you fell in love with strategy of liberty so much that, that you didn't go yeah. to the business unit like you had originally planned to. Uh, so why would you leave and go to Hartford? Right, uh, great question. Um, right, so I was thinking about autonomous vehicles, blockchain technology. The other thing I was thinking about, uh, sort of IoT and sensors, but also like the insurance industry is primarily a reimbursement mechanism after something has already go has go goes bad, right? And uh, so in very in you know multiple lines and businesses, it's very often a commoditized product, right? And the you're competing on just sort of paying faster or with a smile so b b before i i get a, a a an angry email for from bill wilson i have because i have no idea if bill listens to, to to the podcast uh but before i get an angry email to, to bill wilson insurance is not a commodity unfortunately <laughs> we sell it like a commodity in many lines especially personal lines uh, but it is not a commodity uh coverages matter uh, anyway continue <laughs> Coverage is absolutely matter. And uh, I feel like you're going to edit the hell out of me on this. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we do podcast. very little editing. <laughs> but you're 100% right. Um, and, uh, but I think that um, you know, like, there are huge opportunities for the insurance industry to step beyond this reimbursement as an entire industry and move to actual loss prevention and loss mitigation by helping people you know, be a risk management partner with individuals and companies. A hundred percent. Agreed. Like, like, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, and uh, then the Hartford, you know, reached out and, and grabbed me in a very, you know, I was very you know, happy about it. I was happy at Liberty, but you know, it was a great opportunity to build a brand new small business innovation lab uh, at the Hartford. And it's a, a design thinking, human centered design focused lab on small business owners. Um, and the most interesting part, uh, another little tangent, which is, if you look, oh, 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 go for it. Hold on. Uh, my ADD kicked in there. 
So human-centered design Ooh. lab focused on small commercial. That, that's, the, uh, that, that's the very yes. lab that you, that you were in? Yes. Okay. I, I did not know that. Okay. So okay. that's very, very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if I looked at my notes from prior conversations uh, as a Jacob yeah. prospect, I, I, would, I would have it there, but I didn't remember that. So, okay. And it was brand awesome. new. And, and it was brand new. So I, I started it. Um, awesome. And I, was, and I was hired to do that, right? Um, and the Hartford is known for its small commercial business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really the very well best. The, they're right. the very best. If you ask any agency, they'll tell you Hartford is the very best in small commercial. Yep. And I, and I fully agree with it. You know, having been there two years, um, you know, fully agree with it. Um, one of the things that makes them the best though, is very often focusing on detail that is relatively short term. But if you continue, if you can continually nail short term and the long term trends don't eat you, then you do really, really well. Okay. Makes um, sense. You know, I, I still think that, you know, there, there are some long term trends that need to be addressed. And that's why I was brought in, right? Sort of someone to lift their head up a little bit higher up and say like, what, what will the small commercial world look like in three, five, seven, ten years? And how do we test and learn and experiment into those business models, operating models, new product constructs now to, such that we're prepared to make bigger, bolder bets with, you know, with real money and our real robust IT tech stack and bring it into our core? And so I was the, you know, the, the test and learn environment uh, at, at the Hartford. Awesome. Um, Awesome. Really cool. And, and uh, I, I really love the fact that the Hartford being the leader in small commercial and they're not sitting on their laurels, right? Uh, they're, they're actually trying to, to, to continue to do it better and better. So that, that is a fantastic, I think a lesson for all carriers, for all businesses, but especially all carriers, uh, just because you're ahead of the game today in, in whatever you're good at. Uh, if you're not investing in it, somebody's running uh, fast to, are- to try to catch you. I would say there are two times when innovation should absolutely be your priority. And that's when you are a clear leader and you are innovating from a position of strength or when you have no other choice and it's either that or bankruptcy, right? Like, so there's, there's a story and I have no so, idea if it's apocryphal so, or not, but like, uh, it, was, it was like, quick, right, quick, quick, quick pause. So, so that sounds to me. So number one, if you're the leader, right? So the hard force will commercial. Number two, if you're the last one on the line, Hartford Personal Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll just, I'll go with no Anyway, go, go, go with your apocryphal story. Go ahead. No, there's a story about I'm like, being facetious I, a little bit. <laughs> um, um, there's a story about the, the, the founder of FedEx, Federal Express, right? In the 70s, I think his name was Fred Smith. He literally, he, he, he and only he realized that the company only had like a thousand bucks left and otherwise he would have to lay off for the entire company and wow. all the employees. He went to Vegas and he came back with a million dollars. Like that's the, that's the story. I don't know if it's, you know, apocryphal or. Yeah. Or yeah. Who knows if it's true. Yeah. But like he had, he had no other option. It was the end of the business or put it all on, you know, 42, whatever the hell the number is and go for it. Um, and I think that's the other time when you need to innovate, which is when your back is against the wall, you know, to use all the consulting jargon, you've got a burning platform. You're standing on something that is not going to be there the next day. And okay, so, you so, have to jump. So the, the problem with, 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 with thinking those are the two th- times when you really should innovate it, it, it is that, that the majority of carriers are probably not at either of those, right? They're, they're in the middle. They're, they're fat and happy. They're not really growing. Uh, InsurTech is, is looking at them and, and right, starting to get them worried, but they're not losing money. They're sitting on a lot of capital. Uh, uh, and I think they all should be innovating. 
every um i would say every carrier should have something that they do well that is their position of strength and they should innovate from that right so um like one of the reasons the hartford steam boiler does a ton of iot is because they they historically had a sort of a background of devices mechanicals they know what they're good at absolutely they know what they're good at right they didn't they didn't try and say well let's make the world's sexiest agent portal that's not that's not really their their mm. that's not what they're known for right um and the hartford is known for small commercial so innovating from within small commercial to take it even a decade further great idea and love it are, are there other innovation labs with it within the hartford other than the one you were, you were in yeah great question uh this was the, the the first one but in rapid succession we created a few other call them say innovation activities or departments right um there is an iot lab now at uh, at the uh, hartford um it's run by a guy named dan campany he's awesome uh, give him a plug um but so that's that's going well um Mine was the only one that was inside of the P&L, right? So I was in the business. I reported up through the EVP of small okay. commercial mm -hmm. personal lines, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, we had to make the trade-off of we can have profit or you can have a lab, right? And that's an active trade-off to, to do long-term uh, long thinking mm -hmm. versus the innovation labs and most other carriers are uh, in their central corporate strategy group. Which, which means that they mm -hmm. could be protected by the CEO. The CEO can say like, you are my pet team. I'm not going to cut you. But they also, it also means that, you know, when they have to deliver to Wall Street or deliver results, someone's always looking at that pot of money and it's not a business leader, any business leader other than the CEO that's protecting that group. And, and you know, that, that happens. I, I'm guessing there's not yet a best practice, uh, especially for insurance companies. Uh, and I have lots of conversations with innovation leaders within insurance companies trying to sell them uh, temporary staffing. Uh, and uh, what the, the main thing I've noticed is none of them are, try, are, are organized in the same way. Like they're all yeah. doing it very differently. So I don't think there's any best practices yet. Uh, I personally, I, I, I tend to lean towards it should be a corporate function. However, uh, if it's a corporate function, uh, it might be too disconnected from the business units, right? Like, like how, how, so yeah, corporate function, probably better protected for, from, from P&L pressures. Uh, but uh, how, how, do you, how do you make sure that, that, that the business units play ball with it and, the, and that it understands the business units, that there's cross-pollination, right? Yep. Uh, it, it actually, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about this being a careers podcast and, you know, I hope it's because it comes across in a positive way, but one of the things that's a challenge, and you talked about sort of the, the sexiness, everybody wants to be inside the strategy mm -hmm. org. Um, when that strategy org is a corporate, corp, in corporate center rather than in one of the uh, business units, um, it's sexy to get in there, but you have to spend a lot of your energy convincing the business owners, the PL owners, that you know what you're talking about, that you're not just bringing them pie in the sky ideas. Um, and that's a challenge, right? I think business owners trust people like themselves and strategists trust people like themselves. And, you know, <laughs> luckily we're post-election time, but like, you know, that we, we don't, they don't mix perfectly, right? Like, and, um, but I think the most powerful the most powerful ideas and the powerful execution and the best ways to dis disrupt and transform the industry come when you can get both. Right. That, uh, that, that makes perfect sense. So, so you come into to run this lab and I actually like vividly remember, and I, I, I don't have my notes in front of, in front of me. So the conversation might've been about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than a year ago. 
but I vividly remember call, uh, like you know making the sales call or the email to 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 get on your calendar and and having the as the Jacobson rep. And, and so, how are things going? Uh, I remember that you were working on the project. How's the project coming? And, and you saying it's life, right? Uh, and and I remember telling you, uh, this is the first. I, I I I speak with tons of business unit leaders in insurance companies, with tons of innovation leaders. This is the first at a major carrier. Hey, the project is actually life. A whole new product is is life. So so so. Uh, uh, tell, tell us about Putty. Yeah, so uh, Putty Insurance, we launched, uh, launched it probably seven or eight months ago. Probably, the, unfortunately, the, the week or two probably before uh, COVID put us all in lockdown. Um, and uh, Putty Insurance is short-term um, project-based insurance for as little as two hours to two weeks of duration focused on part-time handymen, right? So handymen are actually a challenge for for insurance, for carriers and for underwriters in general, because they do a whole bunch of different things, right? They might uh, assemble IKEA furniture, they might put a you know a flat screen TV on a wall, but they might also go on a roof or they might use a chainsaw. To yeah, the, branch, and the right? rates that we would like to charge you for each of those things are radically different. Absolutely, right? And so you know, if you talk to a, you know talk to an underwriter and say, yeah, you know, I've got about a hundred jobs during the year. I ninety of them are IKEA furniture, and you know, every once in a while I go on a roof. They'll say, yeah, so you're not in our appetite. Yeah, yeah, and ENS will write you for the roofer rate. Yep. Uh, which is a significant overcharging yep. uh, for, um, for the risk that you actually bring. So we said, you know, but we've already spent all the marketing dollars you know, at, the, at the Hartford to bring this traffic to our site. Like we have handymen who are trying to purchase insurance. And you're, and you're kicking them out, yeah. Right. 90% of the time, they're doing work that we would put, you know, that we would say yes to, but 10% of the time, they're not. Um, so we said, well, instead of underwriting you for a whole year, let's try a project by project approach to it. Let's just underwrite you for the next project that you're working on, right? Um, and we did, right? So we created that, that, that product, uh, launched it in March. It's in you know, sort of number of states now. We're building out the, the technology platform. Um, it's still in beta right now, so we're still, we're not aggressively marketing it. Um, but anyone who hears the podcast, go for it, check it out. Uh, you know, it's a really interesting product and you know, hopefully the, the first of many. And I love several things about that story. I love that a giant hundred plus, I, I didn't look at when Hartford was founded, but, but uh, 210 years, is that where it's? 210 year old carrier, <laughs> a fantastic carrier. I'm a huge fan of the Hartford. Uh, but like a carrier that old uh, and a rather traditional carrier. I mean, maybe not, maybe not one of the most traditional, but, but a rather traditional carrier. I, I love the fact that they managed to play the insure tech game and actually launch a product. Uh, and uh, I also love that the fact that, that, that the choice of why that particular one is, hey, they're already coming, right? The, the marketing money's already spent, they're already here. Uh, and, and right now we, we can't serve them. Uh, this, let's find a creative way to serve. I think that's a great lesson for every carrier. Look at your, at, at, yeah. At look, look at your declines. Look at your um, assets. I mean, it's an asset, right? Like the, the, the assets of a large carrier, is they've got eyeballs coming to them. They have a strong brand. They have decades of data. They may not have the newest, most exciting data, right? So if you're in, in sure tech, I mean, <laughs> I, don't mean it's, I don't mean it's old. I mean, like uh, they've been looking at 
you know, you might rate dentists based on their square footage. I don't really understand why that was ever a good idea, but you know, so, but, but, but they have that data, right? Um, and if you have that data, you know, try and find what your best, you know, use of it is uh, and try and innovate off of that. Okay. I, I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. And since I already put in a plug for, 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 for my book, uh, I should put a plug for, for both Rob's and, uh, and Brian's books. Uh, so Insurance Nurse has published two books uh, about innovation. Uh, one of them, uh, Rob Galbraith's book, uh, is The End of Insurance as We Know It, which is kind of a more academic view from the perspective of an insurance guy trying to understand insurtech uh, at, at innovation within insurance and what that might look like going forward. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of a Hulk 300 and some pages. Uh, it's, it's a great read, but it's, it's, it's a I think piece. it's right there. Am I pointing awesome. to it? Awesome, yes, probably. Both of them right there. Uh, I don't actually keep copies of our books. Uh, I used to. I used to actually be fulfillment for all uh, direct orders, not through Amazon. Uh, but I, I don't do that anymore. I've gotten promoted. Uh, so, so, so uh, and the other one by, by, uh, by Brian Falchuk is a much easier read, much shorter book. And that one is specific projects that eight specific carriers, successful innovation products, probably could have been or, or might make it on, on version two of the book uh, on, on how different carriers innovated. So, so the theory and the, and the reality of innovation in our two books, uh, well, both will, will worth a read. But I think you're, you're the first like actual innovation guy that comes on the podcast, like actual like right. spend time in uh, running an innovation area for, for, for a carrier. Uh, but I mean, it's clearly, you know, it's clearly not me, like it's, it's the team, right? And so we, we built a team of, and hired a team, uh, I would say it actually had like four areas of the, the team that you need to actually build a new product in insurance, right? You need, um, uh, you need insurance expertise, right? You need sort of like the, the product underwriting actuarial experts, and we have that on, on the team. Um, you need uh, designers, right? Like you need people, and I brought in like designers. To UX? Yes. Okay. UX yeah. Research, Bring them from outside experience. the industry. Absolutely. <laughs> people, I mean, and it's people who you know, like have as their default expect, especially if you don't know anything about insurance, like your default expectation is, well, of course we'll do it this way. And that might be groundbreaking for the insurance industry. Yeah. Yeah. So the UX people, yeah. Get them from outside the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of design and UX, uh, the insurance side, and then some uh, business folks or a product owner to really manage and push the product um, and push it through all of its different stages from ideation all the way out to sort of ideation, experimentation, uh, uh, launch and maintenance. And then the last group you need is uh, developers, right? You need an agile delivery team to, to actually build the product, whether it be on sort of a, a very external modern tech stack like you know, Shopify or you know, some of the things that, that any startup would use today or even if it's on some of the larger uh, policy admin systems that the insurance carriers use that they end up you know, spending you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on. Uh, either way, you need development to sort of make that product an actual reality in a system, a system of record, so you can deliver a, a policy. But once you, do, once you have that, like you can, that plus executive support, you can, you can change the world, <laughs> right? You can, you can, you can tap untap, untapped buyers and non-buyers. I, I think what, what I'm most shocked at is you were only at the Hartford for two years. So you, you actually put out a product from yeah. scratch, from beginning to end, from brand new to the company, no relationships, uh, 
to you can buy this product in two years. That's that's incredible. Uh, it speaks awesome of you and speaks awesome of, of the Hartford that that allowed you to do that and, and uh, empowered you to to do that. Uh, what about the actuaries? Uh, so so you you didn't mention the actuaries in in the four things needed. Uh, so. Were you able to just borrow actuarial power for, from from the mothership kind of thing? Like just borrow yes. an actuary for a week kind of thing? Yep, that's exactly what it was. Oh, okay, um, okay, perfect. Lo longer than a week. But no, sort of um, actuarial expertise, underwriting expertise, and rating and filing, uh, rating mm -hmm. forms and, and filing expertise. Um, because this putty product, it was a new type of, a new type of both um, pricing and rating algorithm. And had you know, in that algorithm, algorithm had unique aspects that had never really been considered before. Like there's a meaningful, like a two hour policy has implications about, you know, what your coverage everything. covers. Like, yeah, everything. Like the, the systems, you know, uh, policy admin systems don't allow you to do a policy for less than a day. So mm. honestly, you know, secret on the podcast, you're covered for the full day regardless. Like, like, there's, there's, no, there's no way for us to write like, it differently. Here's what I couldn't say if I was still at the Hartford. Uh, it's like, you know, it's very it's, interesting. But I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll fix that at some point. Um, but, you know, right now it's just there, there are certain things you, you, you can't do. So, you know, coverage is there for a day. Okay. Um, but the actual um, and the rating is really interesting, right? Like short-term rating is, is, you know, it's got a big cushion and the departments of insurance are okay with that cushion because they recognize that we don't know how this sort of short-term product will really do. Um, and one of the things I'll actually share, like one of the things I was worried about um, that luckily has not come to pass is um, by lowering the threshold about how easy or, you know, how easy it is to purchase the insurance. So if you can purchase it with, you know, three clicks and a swipe um, that lower that, that allows more people to engage and purchase the product. But in theory, it also allows bad actors and fraud to be done more easily. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't seen Absolutely. that yet, which is great. And there are a number of safeguards. All the safeguards are in place around that. Um, but it's an interesting question, right? Um, that, I, that I was worried and about in the beginning. Are, are the safeguards AI, machine learning, or are the safeguards my SIU guy who's been here for 40 years and he's really good at, at this? So one of the most important things about getting a product out uh, in any, uh, any company is knowing your MVP, your minimum viable product. Uh, so you, you do the, the, the core of it as fast as possible, and then you add on all the extra bells and whistles. So someday it'll be AI. <laughs> so right, right now it's Rob who, who's been in, 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 the, uh, in the loss control area for 40 years. Exactly. Okay, and that, that and that, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect. And and you you'd be shocked. Uh, I I don't think you would, but I think the listeners would be shocked if they knew how many quote unquote insure techs in reality right now. Right, they have a really cool video about oh, about what like the vision is. But right now they're doing a court forms and manual underwriting and manual claims and and they're going crazy trying to figure out how to automate the stuff mm -hmm. uh, while interacting with, with, with a traditional yep. carrier on the back end. Uh, so, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot of those. Uh, so, so I, I'm curious, what's this, is this an admitted product? It is. Okay. It's filed and, okay. You know, filed and, 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 and admitted. Uh, and did you, uh, did you do it on Hartford paper or did you have, have yep. to like build new paper? So existing Hartford paper. Yep. Okay. Awesome. 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 Really, really awesome. By the way, since you've given me multiple chances to cross-sell on, the, on this podcast, uh, innovation people who I've been leaving voicemails and have not returned my call, uh, if you need a product person or an underwriter or, or a loss control person or, or 
an actor or whatever, just for a few weeks and, and, and you, ha you are finding that you're inside, people don't want to give up their existing roles, their existing safe jobs to come do this in a project that might not be here next year, call me. That's exactly what I do. I, I, uh, I get you uh, experience insurance talents, any function, any level for temporary needs, however long those temporary needs might be. Uh, which is exactly why I kept calling Chris. <laughs> love it, Tony. Love it. Uh, that I, I, I really, I, I hope that over time as the industry matures and, and people move around a little and hopefully even we get to the point where, where, where some of the larger companies in the industry are more comfortable with letting people who are still at the company come on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I hope that, that I, uh, we'll be able to get many more people with great stories about, about how innovation is being done and how areas of, of insurance companies work. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I've, got a, I've got a question, I, I, and I didn't give you a heads up on, on this one, so, so we'll see if, if, if you have an opinion on it. Uh, but what do, you, what do you think of AM Best's uh, uh, announcing last year and now putting, yeah. uh, put, putting uh, kind of the skeleton on it or, or the, the, the structure on it this year, uh, that innovation is going to be taken into account in, in, yeah. in the... Uh, in their ratings, how do you how do you think that's going to play out, and 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 how should ready if I have I don't know Mike LaRocco who's who's a person, who's a good friend, uh, CEO of State Auto or, or whatever. If we have like like C level people at, at any carrier listening, what advice do you have for them uh, yeah. on this coming change? No, it's great, and it was a, you know that was a big announcement. Um, I hadn't actually sort of heard of it before it, it had happened, um, and but they given you know they've given the industry enough ramp time for companies to get ready. Um, I would say the first thing you need to do if you're addressing sort of the AM best, um, you know, sort of inclusion of rating um, uh, in the uh, in your rating, um, is is figure out which of the three buckets you are actually in. Right? There are some companies um, who have been innovating uh, for more than a decade, are comfortable with it, and this is this is you know positive for them. And to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't think they should change anything other than you know adding the extra you know five percent to make sure that that they that they can coordinate all the things they're already doing and make sure that's all relevant and and sort of made made aware to to am best right um i think then there are people in the a middle bucket who are like i think we're doing enough innovation but i'm not really sure and they should pressure test their ideas i think it's the third bucket that's a, a big problem which is companies who who know absolutely you know no and are okay with the fact that they have not been innovating at all. And they're sort of running down a big book on probably a legacy, you know, both legacy tech, legacy business model um, that is shrinking every once in a while. Uh, and you know, those carriers are probably the same carriers that, that uh, you know, are getting rolled up via private equity roll-ups, right? They're, these, um, you know, the, the, the range of players number 20 through 60 in the insurance space um, won't look the same in 10 years. Many of those are going to be consolidated into. And, you know, if, if you, you should be self-aware enough and your CEO absolutely should be self-aware enough to realize that, um, that they're in that bucket. And if they don't have a clear strategy out of it, innovation could be one of those strategies. It might at this point be the, the, the FedEx type innovation where your back is against the wall. Um, but I think um, uh, getting getting in some new blood and bring some people in who know what they're doing in this space and can identify where they should be innovating. Every company, to, to your point earlier, Tony, 
every company has something they do well and can innovate from. Everybody has that. And if you haven't found that yet, you know, bring in some innovation people who can help you bring it. I'm going to do the huge plug for me, right? Bring in some strategists who can find what you do well, who are also innovators and can innovate from it, right? Like that's, if you're going to give me a softball, I finally found my way to it. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what they need to do. Uh, that, that is that is fantastic. Uh, I was going to say this at the very end, uh, but, but yes, if you are listening to this, as soon as it came out, uh, Chris is currently available. Uh, he might not be available by tomorrow. Who knows, right? This will probably come out on Monday and he might not be available anymore. Uh, given his resume, I would not be surprised. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge here. Just, just, just saying, given his resume, I would not be surprised. But yeah, if you're looking for a, a deep strategy with impeccable credentials and international experience and uh, who, can, who has executed, I'll t- I'll t- I-, I will link his, uh, his LinkedIn on the show notes. Uh, you can just click there and, and add him and say, and say hi, or you can ask me for an intro and, you know, I'll charge you a 30% fee and we're good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only halfway joking on that one. Love it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so um, let me think here. Let, let, me, let me get back on, 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 on track here. Uh, I, I, I do think that, that this is a fascinating time for the, for the industry and, 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 uh, when, when, you, when you first told me a couple of weeks ago that you were no longer the, the Hartford, that was kind of my first comment was, I'm kind of envious. It, it'd be a really fun transition right now, uh, right? Because of your background, like, like you can go down in, in an innovation area. Oh, I know what I was, was going to say. You, you can go down in insure tech. Uh, there's just so many, so many different uh, areas where we could really use you within insurance. Uh, but what I can tell you is, is if, 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 I had, if, if I got a call three weeks ago, from one of my clients before we chatted about, about you having left uh, the Hartford and they had said, Hey, what I really need is an innovation guy who has actually executed successfully within an insurance, within a PNC company. I, I think my recruiters would have, you know, uh, like started sticking uh, uh, pins into the, into the Tony voodoo doll. Uh, because right, like that's super hard to find right right now because nobody's done it yet. We're all starting to do it. Yep. Uh, so so the fact that especially you've, when you put especially you know in that job description when you add in you must, know, have, must 10 have ten years, 10 years experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the the typical exactly 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 ten, I, ten I, years I, of blockchain experience. I I was having <laughs> a, a conversation earlier today, a career conversation, and and the guy said said uh recruiters who have no idea what 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 they're doing no offense and i'm like non-taken i'm not a recruiter i work for a recruiting company who is fantastic at what we do but but yeah your internal company recruiters or hr uh right if if, if you go to them and you, you say hey i need a, a, an experienced innovation guy what they, they have no idea right like, like they don't live in the business uh, of insurance innovation right that they will probably put something they, they'll look at the pay band and be like 10 years of, of experience exactly, innovating within right. a pnc company <laughs> yep. and they have no idea that, that that's just not the world pnc was in five years ago <laughs> i mean the, the good news is um that the speed and the the pace of innovation even in carriers is enough that you know it's almost like dog years right like the the, the amount of experiences over the past few years um you know feel like they count for a little bit more, right? Um, you know, it, it may not always be the most pleasant and sometimes, you know, you're having conversations over and over again, um, but, uh, you know, they, they count for a lot. You, you, you learn a lot during the process, right? It's a trial by fire 
but it's also, you know, what we love, what I love. So um, as, as we're kind of closing down, I, I'm curious. So I'm assuming you got to go to a lot of conferences uh, and it sounds like you're a reader to, be, to begin with. So I'm curious for people interested in insurance innovation, people who are already in the insurance space, who are interested in the innovation side of insurance, which will have tons of growth going forward. Uh, what conferences would you recommend? What books do you recommend? All right. Um, my first week uh, at the Hartford actually sort of started, didn't take any time off between jobs and specifically started early such that I could tell you know, my boss, by the way, I'm out next week because I'm going to InsureTech. Um, uh, you mean InsureTech Connect in Vegas? Yes. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Okay. I, I do think, um, mostly because I think you know, probably five years ago, there were six to 10 different gatherings of, of folks in the InsureTech space. Uh, and for better or for worse, it sort of got weeded out. I don't know, maybe they just chose it based on location, but uh, you know, the, it was a, a fun place. And it's the most, you know, the most people who come together uh, all in one roof. And by far. I actually go, and yeah, by far, you know, so I think it was like 7,000 people or last year or something like that. And um, you know, it's just the atmosphere is such that you absorb so many new ideas um, that, you know, you should just stay up the entire, stay up for your three days there and absorb and meet all the time, right? Um, and I think that's the way I do it. I, I would also say that um, networking on LinkedIn, like in sort of Tony, you're an amazing resource. Um, Thank you. Know, you. I, am, I am, you know, a, a, a distant far behind you, um, but I think, you know, link, connecting to people and asking them who you should chat with, um, who are both either like-minded or exactly opposite-minded, to be perfectly honest, um, are worth conversations. Um, I think you are like sort of, you embody in every way the, I'm open to a conversation, let's chat about it um, vibe that the insurance industry needs a whole lot more of, a whole <laughs> lot more. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to, to jump on your team to help. Awesome, awesome. So, so ITC is really, really the one. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention InsureTech Hartford, given that. Uh, you know, so InsureTech Hartford's uh, also a, a great opportunity. Um, and so Hartford being sort of in between New York and Boston, around uh, along the uh, the corridor. Um, you know, it, it doesn't get the the, the full uh, flow, but I think we're really trying to transform the the, the city into a sort of a, a startup uh, startup healthy uh, InsureTech in world. That's great. Awesome. So 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 uh, for the listeners, if you have not been to InsureTech Connect once we're back live uh, in in person, it is totally worth it. I made it in 2018. I I, I made it in 2018. Skipped it in 2019. I was scheduled to go this year uh, with Jacobson, uh, and obviously it, it didn't happen in person. But InsureTech Connect is a combination of an incredible conference with a rock concert with Vegas. Uh, and if, you, if you're a follower of, of the InsurTech world, uh, you will find all of your uh, favorite InsurTech people. They actually exist in real life. Uh, I, I was there for one day in 2018 because I had another conference that, that was uh, that's the, the next day. I was there for one day and I, I met everybody. I, I met Kari Buhonig. I, 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 I met uh, Chris uh, from Policy Genius. I, I met Matteo Carbone. Like, like, I, I got pictures with Ryan Hamley. Like, like I got pictures with so many people that, that I've been following <laughs> for years. Like, like, like it was, it was, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, so I, I, I haven't done the whole three days. Hopefully, in twenty twenty one, I'll be able to do that. Uh, also, since I am a CPCU fanatic, and you are mm -hmm. a very weird CPCU, you're a CPCU uh, that didn't grow up in, in insurance. 
So, uh, and, and, and uh, pe- people, people think that, that I am a, a, uh, a paid shill for, for, for the Institute of CPC Society. I am not. I'm, ju- I'm, just, I'm just a fanatic. If I, if I got a commission for everybody that did CPCU on, on my advice, I wouldn't have to work, uh, but I don't. Uh, so, so uh, number one, what got you thinking about doing CPCU? And feel free to say it wasn't worth it, if that's the case. But, yeah. but do you recommend it, especially for people who, don't, who didn't grow up in insurance? Yep. Um, sorry, a number of comments. Um, so one, uh, I love my CPCU experience. Uh, I'll give you the, the true answer of why I did it, however, which was at the time, Liberty incentivized the heck out of it, right? Uh, I got 10 grand for, for completing my designation, right? Uh, get me to study, right? Was it Hawaii or the year after? Uh, I, uh, mine was in Southern California. Oh, okay, um, Anaheim. But, uh, oh, yeah, hold, Anaheim. Hold on. Oh, yeah, Liberty, 2014. Okay, okay, got it. Um, and so I did them, you know, fast. Um, uh, you know, I, I think companies don't incentivize uh, as much anymore, um, but I think it was a fantastic decision. Um, I was also on a lot of uh, international flights, so I had a lot of time to just read a book and take an exam when I landed, right? Like just, just study 14 straight hours and just knock it out. Um, but for me, what it gave me was um, just the vernacular and just, I'm a big fan of training by sort of omni-channel training, right? Like sort of talking to people, reading books, and sort of taking exams, watching presentations, YouTube videos, like there's a lot of great content out there. And for me personally, doing it in five or six different ways finally gets the point across through the thick skull. Um, but the, you know, the, uh, these exams tested me on things. Granted, there are many things that are probably Googleable now, right? You don't need to know, you know, what's your limit on, on, on unscheduled jewelry for personal lines, homeowners, right? Um, but the fact that you have to know that, you know, the difference between scheduled and unscheduled contents, right? The fact like that, that's really important to, to, uh, to understand the overall industry. So I'm a big fan of it. I would, I would absolutely do it. And for people who don't, who aren't uh, fully in, I think it's actually sort of a enjoyable, gamified, pleasurable way to show your commitment gamified. to your employer, right? Like it's, it's for better or for worse, insurance, the carriers and the insurance industry still like people who are, you know, who feel like they're part of the industry. So if you're gonna come in, I think it's a, a good, somewhat safe way to, uh, to show your commitment. Fantastic. Chris, it's been a great conversation. I promise you, I'll get you out by six uh, and uh, it's 5.55. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Love to have you back. Uh, What I'm thinking is is kind of of a a nerdy deep dive into something, into autonomous vehicles or with a couple of other guests. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, so, so, So hopefully we have the chance to do that. Uh, thank you so much. It, it's really been great. Uh, so, so it, it's uh, Profiles in Risk was opened with the idea of having this type of conversation, conversations that help people grow their insurance careers. And then Nick uh, <laughs> had 120 insure tech interviews. So I am very happy when, when, I, when I can get uh, this type of, of, of conversation uh, on, on, on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, again, I, I will link your LinkedIn on the show notes. I'll also link the books we talked about uh, and other resources we, we, we've mentioned. Uh, this was going to take, uh, take me a few hours to kind of put all the links together. Uh, but but uh, really, really awesome conversation. Thank you very much for, for your time. Thank you, Tony. This was fantastic.